Jesus is coming soon, isn't he? Revelation 22, it says it three times for thick skulls like mine, right? Yeah, well, good. He, he puts it in there three times, and I'm going to read it actually four times as we walk through there. So we're going to look at Revelation chapter 22, verses 1 through 6, and get right into it this morning. It says, The angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, and on each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit, with a fresh crop each month, the leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. No longer will they be cursing upon anything, for the throne of God and the, the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. And there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun, for the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever." And the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. Our main theme this morning is Jesus is coming soon. Or if, if Jesus is coming soon, then we should have a sense of urgency to share the gospel message to those who need to hear it and obey the commands Therein. Revelation is the final prophecy we see in the Bible. Now, that doesn't mean it doesn't dovetail with all the other prophecies, because if you look at the prophecy of Revelation, you will notice that it dovetails with all the prophecies and the Psalms and the books of, Mo of Moses. And as we get to the end here, we see something wonderful. We see a tree growing out of this river that flows from the throne of God. And that just shows to me our point number one this morning. God will meet all our needs. God is God of life. This is another example of how God chooses life. He is the developer of life, and he is the one who wants to sustain life. We will experience this every day in heaven. <clears throat> it will be clear that life comes from God and that everything um, that is good and perfect comes from him. With the water of life, the tree of life allows us to um, eat and drink of uh, the goodness of God and the leaves with medicine to heal the nations. I think that's kind of interesting that we were talking about this last week at Community Bible Study. Why will we need to heal the nations if we're in the presence of God, if we're in heaven? If he's made everything new, why is there healing? Well, that just shows you how deep the hurt and things go and that God is there and he's mindful of the hurt that is already in play. So another thing that came up was when we get down lower, why does God have walls? Why does he have gates? Because um, why do we need those? We don't who are we need to be protected from? I don't know the answers to those. I have no idea. I don't even know if we need walls. What I think it is to symbolizes that God is secure, that he creates a foundation that we can stand on, and that um, is more symbolism than it is of anything. So 
as we go, we will see that the curse will be no more. It is gone. The curse of sin and death is out. We will be in the presence of God, and we will get to experience the true life as worship. What Colossians 3.23 tells us, right? Whatever we do, we work at it, not for ourselves, but unto the Lord. That is the ultimate act of worship. And so we will get to experience that in heaven. Will we have jobs and things? I think we will have different tasks that we have to do and things. Otherwise, it would be kind of boring foreverness, right? Uh, but there'll be a constant, as we do those tasks, it'll be for the Lord. And we will understand that it's for the Lord. And so we'll do it to the best of our abilities. And I think that's what excites me the most. There could, that just means there could be John Deere tractors up in heaven. That's right. Right? Only, only caterpillar. Only the caterpillar. Look at the, we got the cat engineer laughing. The other one's like, what are you talking about, boy? That's right. I'm more of a Case IH guy anyway, so sorry. Um, Philippians 4.19. It says, And this same God who takes care of me will supply all our needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. God promises us that now here on earth, how much more is that going to be in heaven? And that is the hope that we hope for and that will sustain us. So now how the Lord and Jesus are, or notice how the, the Lord and Jesus are the sources of our life. It comes from their throne to the river, to the tree, as it spans this stream on either side. And the fruit gives off this crop that is pretty amazing. Um, it's either 12 different crops every month, or it's a different crop from the different branches uh, one a month. I don't really know how that works, uh, depending on the wording and how you read. I kind of think it tends to be it's 12 different crops or different varieties each month. And that's what gives us life. So, that makes me think, in my life right now, and maybe in yours, what are some areas that are hog-tying us to keep... I know, it'll, it'll live. Do you want me to put it back on? Does it bother you? Okay. I'm put a little stick on it for you. <laughs> so in our lives, what are some of the areas that are hog-tying us from the blessings of God? Like we know this is where we should be going, but we don't go there. Or we know this, we probably shouldn't be going there, but we are. Like if we're going towards sin, we should walk away from sin, and God has a blessing for us, but we hesitate. We either feel we don't deserve it, and so we stay away from it, or we expect it, and so then, therefore we don't ask for it. Okay, those are two different things there. So what are we afraid of that hinders our growth with God? What's something that might be in your life that you, you have there? Uh, write that down. What, what is holding you back from your faith walk? Where, where could I improve on? Where are we holding back the hope due to fear. Where has fear clouded our judgment a little bit? Write that down. Where are we 
apathetic, or in my case, just pathetic. <laughs> you didn't laugh that hard, so thanks. I appreciate that. Uh, right, where, where are we holding back? Because we're just kind of lazy. We don't want to be disciplined. That is, that is probably the number one reason why we don't read our Bible, right? I just, I don't really want to, if I'm honest. It changes my life, but it's, it's a hard book to study, isn't it? Just for the fact that it's God's book and Satan doesn't want us to study it. And so that's hard. So this is what I want you to do. Think about those things, some, something specific. I want you to write it down in your bulletin. And then I want you to name it, confess it to God, possibly to a friend, and then write it down so you can follow up this week. How am I doing? Have I changed any habits? Do, are there habits I need to change? And as we get into those things, that might be something, well, Pastor, I, I, I've written this down every week and I haven't changed well, that's when you might need to bring in a friend and say, okay, I'm in this habit or I can't get into this habit. I need some help. How can I do this or how can I get away from this? Okay, and then you have those encouragement. That's why we come together as a community of believers, right? God will provide for our needs. <clears throat> we have to be willing to ask. So what area do you need to develop in your walk with Jesus, reading your Bible, praying, loving extravagantly, or life is worship. Do you have a hard time doing the dishes? Maybe you need to do the dishes for Jesus. Maybe it's vacuuming. Maybe it's taking care of the kids. Maybe it's uh, taking care of mom. Where do you need his strength? Maybe it's in all those things I just listed, right? Where do you need a Savior? Lord, rescue me from this temptation. Rescue me from the sin, this repetitive sin that comes in my life. Name it, confess it, and write it down so you can follow up. Those are good things that are practical that you can do so you can be aware that, okay, well, am I struggling with this? If you write it down, you can look back and review your day or your week and say, yes, I am. Um, this, is, this, is very, this is much of a confession to you. Uh, when I was younger, and, and I still do this, so it's not anything new, um, I started praying against my pride because if you don't have anything to pray for to work on your life, that's a very arrogant thing to say, right? And so me being as arrogant as I am, I have arrived, Lord. Um, I, I would never say that. But I'm like, you know, I just really don't know what to pray about. Well, that's it's a very arrogant thing to say. And so I started praying against my, my pride. And it took probably two years before I became, I started becoming aware, but before change started to happen, before my prayer life started to reflect God more than it did me, before my, and it, it's still, that's still a work in progress. My prayer life is still a work in progress, by the way. Um, before I read the Bible to know God and to love him instead of just to read the Bible, just to get it out of the way. And that's, that's when my faith walk really started to transition. 
And I really understood what John the Baptist said when he said, he must become greater and I must become less. He must become the, uh, the bridegroom and I'm only the best man. We both celebrate, right? But he gets all the glory and I only get what he gives me. So there's a little confession from your pastor, right? It says in verse 4, and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads. I've been waiting for that tattoo for years, right? I don't know if that's quite what it means, but it could. It could be a brand. It's definitely a, uh, an identity mark that, that he claims this is ours. He can see it, obviously. So what do we know of God's name? What have we learned through Revelation about God's name? God's name is synonymous with his character, isn't it? And if we see anything that it says the Lord's name is written on our hearts, it means that God's character is written on our hearts. So not only do we want to be identified in Christ, but we also want to obey his commandments so that he, we reflect Christ as well. So his name on our, on our heads means that he claims us. We are his we are children of God. That's pretty exciting. And our character will be like his character. So the fruit of it, we will see in our attitudes, in our, in our lifestyles, and in our character. Character development. Where is character often established? I would say in trials and tribulations, wouldn't you? So if you look at this, we'll find character development usually comes from the school of hard knocks, or as the Bible likes to say, trials or troubles. James chapter one verses one, or chapter one verses two through four should make William quote it for us. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any Kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy, for you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let us grow, for when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Romans chapter 5, verses 4 through 6 says, And endurance develops strength of character. What kind of endurance is he talking about there? It's kind of like when somebody's going through cancer, right? It just doesn't go away. It's, a, it's something you need to be aware of for the rest of your life. So the cancer of sin is something that we need to be aware of for the rest of our life. My pride is not going to go anywhere. I need to keep it in check all the time. My, so the endurance that develops strength of character, and character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. And this hope will not lead to disappointment, for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. You thought for sure it was going to say because he gave us his son, right? That's, that's another reason why we know God loves us. But just as important, he gives us his Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. Wow. That's exciting. Do you have that expectation to love God extravagantly and to be loved extravagantly by God? 
That's kind of how that starts. If we can love God extravagantly, then we can be loved extravagantly by God. And if we can love others extravagantly, it allows us to be loved extravagantly by others. So then that brings about, hey, what is different about you? It's Jesus. Let me show you him, and we can make disciples of Jesus through that relationship then. So where in your life has God been taking you to school? Examine yourself. Where are you struggling with right now? Or where have trials come up lately? And if you can't come up with anything, ask somebody else. Write it down. Follow through, just like we talked about before. Verse 6 reminds us once again that this is a prophecy and it can be trusted. This is the second time it's happened. Revelation 21.5 also says this, or something similar to this. says, everything that you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. We need to not be cheap, and we need to pay attention to his word, right? Did you catch that? It's always fun to do that to junior highers. They're always like, you said pay attention. Yeah, that means you're paying attention. Good job. So if we have confidence in this, then this should bolster our faith to share this urgent message with our friends, our family, and our neighbors. Sharing begins with caring deeply for the lost, the broken, the needy, right? How are we going to reach out to our neighbors, if we can't reach out to our fellow pew member. We talk about it at the end, okay? But. So we need to pray. We need to pray for this caring to move into action. So how does it start? You pick that person, your list of four, right? We had the list of four earlier, um, where you live, church, play, and your family, right? Pick those four. You need to intercede for them, praying for them this week. Pray dearly. Pray for someone who knows that needs Jesus on a daily basis. Pray for someone who's struggling with this. Invest in that friendship. Invest in that friendship. Reach out with a text, a phone call, a um, maybe a coffee or something like that. It doesn't have to be big, but it does cost, right? It costs our time, talent, and our treasure, right? a conversation, then intersect the gospel in your conversation. How's Jesus doing in your life if they're a Christian, you know? Or how, um, let me tell you about my Jesus. Remembering your 22nd testimony. I used to go through life just like you are. With the unknown, I was scared of the unknown. I didn't know where to go. Then Jesus came and he happened. And now he gives me a purpose. And I can walk into the unknown faithfully knowing that he has my hands. Do you got a story like that? Boom. 22nd testimony. And then invite. Invite them into a relationship with Jesus. And then follow up with a small group or a Bible study or church or perhaps just disciple-making friendship. Maybe it's just a one-on-one discipling, right? That we do. If Jesus is coming soon, then we need to have a sense of urgency to share the gospel message to those who need to hear it and obey the commands therein. Revelation 22, 
8. I'm going to go 7 through 12. I'm going to repeat 7. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. I, John, am the one who heard and saw all these things. And when I heard and saw them, I fell down to worship at the feet of the angel who showed me them. But he said, no, don't worship me. I am a servant of God, just like you and your brothers, the prophets, as well as all who obey, who is written in this book. Worship only God. Then he instructed me, do not seal up the prophetic words in this book, for the time is near. Let the one who is doing harm continue to do harm. Let the one who is vile continue to be vile. Let the one who is righteous continue to live righteously. And let the one who is holy continue to be holy. Look, I am coming soon, bringing my reward with me to repay all people according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Children of God, it is important to listen and obey. This is the second time John said, John, the apostle that walked with Jesus, the one whom Jesus loved, he bows down and worshiped one of the seven angels that bring the wrath of God. They must have been pretty powerful. They must have been pretty majestic looking because John, knowing who Jesus was, bowed down to worship. Now, some commentaries say, well, he just bowed down to worship. And the angel said, no, don't worship me. But I think that's ridiculous because I think the angel saw what he was doing and said, don't worship me, right? And rebuked him because that was how Satan fell out of heaven. He accepted God's worship. It doesn't belong to an angel. It doesn't belong to us. It belongs to the Lord. So let this be a warning to us how easy it can be to worship something or someone other than God. How easy it is for us to make a hero out of a preacher or an athlete or a family member. Remember that they are sinners just like us, and no matter how it appears, they sin as, they sin as well, and they will let you down. Don't put them up on a pedestal. It's not fair to them. It's not fair to you. Come as you are. Let them come as they are. Because they're broken and hurting, just like you are in some way. They may be cheerful and jovial, um, just like you are. They can set an example for you, but don't put them up on a pedestal. Because I'll let you down. Jesus is the only one who can stand up to all sin and win. He's the only one deserving of the pedestal. He's the only one that sits on the throne with God, right? That's his place. We, it's reserved for him. He is the one that's going to be doing that. He did it in humility, and he gave credit to the Lord along the way. He is our model, but we are never deserving of that honor. So, time for some application, right? Who are we putting on a pedestal? I hope it's not your pastor. I've done this many times through my first two years of ministry. Don't put me on a pedestal because I'm just as much of a sinner as you are. Um, and I will disappoint you. It's reserved for Jesus. I've done this before with other pastors. Uh, James McDonald's one of my favorite, Robbie Zacharias. Both those two guys have fallen from 
um, the heights they were, they were in my mind especially. Um, the only one that's deserving of that pedestal is Jesus Christ, and I will reserve it for him and keep it there for him. I've learned my lesson somewhat. It's good to get that every once in a while. Um, if, if you're easy, if it's easy for you to answer or, or find it like, I don't, I don't really have a pest, person on a pedestal, the, quite, the caution I give you is be careful of self uh, pedestal putting on then, right? Because if nobody else is measuring up to how good you are, you might not say that, but I've done this. I've done this so much because I'll look around and I'll start comparing to my brothers and sisters in Christ and I'll say, well, I'm better than them. I don't do that. I don't. And I start picking and choosing and, and look, by the time I get to the end, who's sitting up on the pedestal, right? Stinking I'm already on the stage, right? It's stinking like a me, right? I don't want to be that guy. <laughs> How dare you, right? Right. I want to be nice, polished Penny Lincoln. Is that better? <laughs> Craig's a big Lincoln fan, if you can figure that out. Uh, yes, we need to put Jesus Christ first. And if I start to, if I find myself going, well, I'm glad I didn't do that. What should I be doing? When I see somebody fall in sin, I need to come alongside that person, don't I? I need to weep when they're weeping. And when they recognize their own sin, I need to be right there to help restore it. And when they don't recognize their own sin, I need to be right next to them trying to pull them out and say, don't you see what's going on? Don't you see how you're destroying your life? Only Jesus is going to restore this. We, gotta, we, we need to do this. How do you know that? Because I've done it. I've been there. We gotta, it's got to be better, better than that. So there's three reasons why we want to keep God first. Our God is a jealous God, right? He does not share his glory. And if they sin, oh, that just justifies my behavior. So the number two, if they sin, it justifies my behavior because there's a standard that I can live up to, a broken one. Like, oh, well, he did it, so I can do it, right? Or he's done it this bad. I only just do a little bit. Both things are justifying my behavior. If they sin, number three, that raises my pedestal, and I'm, I'm better than they are. So who are they to tell me what to do? I set my own standard now. All three things are wicked from Satan, and we need to be saying, get behind me, Satan. It is like this. Here's a different example. What's the difference between knowing a recipe and following the recipe? Well, I can already hear the bakers in the group laughing at us. <laughs> right? Do we need salt and cookies? Yeah. Even salt flakes on the top sometimes enhance the flavor of cookies, right? What about table salt on top? No, that's, that's a little too strong, right? We don't put salt on top of cookies. I heard that illustration this week from one of our high school baking classes. He's like, oh, we put salt on top of cookies. It tastes good. Well, it does, but not as much as he just put on there. He ruined the whole batch. 
Fortunately, they kept some to the side that they didn't put there. What's the difference between knowing the instructions and following the instructions? Well, I know the instructions say it to do this way, but this way is easier. Nine times out of ten, what are we doing? We're taking it all apart to put it back all together, way together, just like the instructions say. What's the difference between knowing the rules and putting the rules into practice? I know the sign said one-way street, but I think if I just get on it real quick, I can jog right over. Or I know that curve said 30 or 15, but if I take it at 35, especially if nobody's coming from the other direction, but if it's a 15-mile-an-hour curve, that's probably a right angle, right? We don't know if anybody's coming. 15 miles an hour is only for hazardous conditions. I can do this. Oh, boy. Guess who just became the hazardous condition there, right? You did. The Lord gives us this prophecy and revelation for a reason. We are, are we willing to listen and obey the warnings that call us to listen and obey God's word? It's that simple. If Jesus is coming soon, then we should have a sense of urgency to share the gospel message to those who need to hear it and obey the commands therein. Revelation chapter 22, I'm going to look at verse 7, and then I'm going to skip down to 12, all the way to the end. Look, I am coming soon. Blessed are those who obey the words of prophecy written in this book. Verse 12, look, I am coming soon. It's a broken record. Um, bring, bringing my reward with me to repay all who according to their deeds. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes and will be permitted to enter the gates of the city and eat the fruits of the tree of life. What do robes symbolize? Good deeds, right? They are, as a result of salvation, we have these deeds that are clothed on us, okay? Let's continue on. Um, tree of life, verse 15. Outside the city are the dogs, the sorcerers, the sexual immoral, the, the murderers, the idol worshipers, and all who love to live a lie. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to give you this message for the churches. I am both the source of David and heir to his throne. I am the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, let anyone who's Hears us say, Come, let anyone who is thirsty come. Let anyone who desires to drink freely of the water of life, and I solemnly declare to everyone who hears the words of prophecy written in this book if anyone adds anything to what is written here, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone removes any of the words of this prophecy, God will remove that person's share in the tree of life and in the holy city that. Are described in this book. He who is faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. May the grace of the Lord Jesus be with God's holy people. Amen. Look, I am coming soon. Jesus said it. We need to pay attention. To his people, he says, I am coming back. 
Write this to the churches. It says specifically there. It says specifically in chapter 1. Who is this written to? This is written to the seven churches. He is coming back. What does that imply to us? Be ready. Be ready. Walk as Jesus walked. Live as Jesus lived. Get into his word and find out what that means. I close up with this. Growing up, we always had those phrases that we would say that we would come back to bite us like only famous last words can. Like, oh, I'll do that later. Or, I'll be right back. You ever watch any thriller movie, if they say, I'll be right back, they're never coming back. It's foreshadowing, right? Well, we are in the ultimate thriller right now. So let's imagine that we're standing before the Father on the ju- and he's, Jesus is on the judgment seat, and he asks, was there ever a time in your life that you surrendered your will to mine, to Jesus, to the God? Is there any ever time that you surrender your will to mine? And he continues, let's open the books and let's find out what it says. Ah, here we go. July 27th, 1982. You were asked, do you believe in Jesus? And you replied, I'm not ready yet. September 30th, 1995, you were asked, do you have a minute to talk about the Lord. And you replied, I have to get this one thing done, but I'll only be gone a minute. April 3rd, 2007, you were reminded, remember, we are talking about Jesus at Bible study tonight, this Thursday. And you replied, I won't forget. And then maybe last night, hey, don't stay up too late. There's something that we need to do. I won't forget as we slept right through church. Or we missed our eternal appointment and we didn't wake up the next day. Three times in the last book of the Bible, three times in the last chapter of the Bible, of the last book, he tells us he is coming soon you can ask anybody that's older than you does life last long does life last as long as what it seems bethany got her permit this week it was like yesterday we brought her into the in the little carrier and it was like the day before that, that I had my permit, right? It's like, this is ridiculous. Time flies when we look back on it. Sometimes it seems slow in anticipation. That means, remember, his coming is based on our timeline and his timeline. So if he chooses to interrupt our timeline, it's cut short tomorrow. And we don't know our ending of our timeline. So we need to be ready now.
We need to make his priorities our priorities. It's coming soon. Well, it just reminds me of that old illustration down. The river's flooded, and they've warned people, get out of your, get out of your houses, get out of your houses, get out of your houses. And the fire trucks, they come by, and they say, oh, the, the water's risen up a foot now. You won't be able to drive out of here in the low spots. Come on, get on the fire truck. And he says, no, 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 my God's going to save me. And he waits another, and the rains keep coming down. The, pretty soon, it's up to the, the front porch of his house, and, and a neighbor comes by out the boat says, come on, get in. Uh, it's only getting worse. And he says, no, 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 my God's going to save me. And he, he's up on his chimney then, he, and the, the, the roof line's just about ready to go under, and the helicopter sees him out there, and he says, how in the world have you stayed out there so long? This is amazing. Uh, come on, we'll get you up. We'll throw a rope down. He says, no, 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 it's okay. My God's going to save me. And he, pretty soon he's swept away in the current, and he dies. And he goes up to heaven. And he says, Lord, I, I thought you were going to save me. I thought you were going to be there for me. And he says, well, I sent you a fire truck, a boat, and a helicopter. What else did you want? <laughs> right? The Lord gives us multiple chances. We got to take those into consideration. And as a church, we need to ask, what does a loving God and loving others to make disciples of Jesus really look like? What does it really look like? We got to change something, right? We got to share the love of Jesus with our neighbors. It's not something that we just put it out on Facebook and they know. They just ignore that. It's something that's got to be personal. It's something that's got to be a change. And you don't make yourself the hero of the story because we're all broken people, Right? Say, I'm struggling just as much as you are, but this is how God's helping me overcome. Because if Jesus is coming soon, then we have a sense of urgency to share the gospel message with those who need to hear it. And then we need to obey the commands therein. Amen? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your commands that you've given us. We thank you for the sense of urgency that you've given us. Lord, we pray that you would open our upper eyes, self-evaluate where we need to work on, where we need to set our pride aside, where we need to uh, work on the demand of sin in our life and say, get behind me, Satan. In Jesus' name, I rebuke this sin in my life, and I choose to follow Jesus. Lord, we pray that you allow us to come alongside people in our lives that we can confess this to as well. Lord, we pray for those that are sick and in need of your tender care. Lord, we pray for those that are brokenhearted and that need hope. Lord, I pray that you would be with us, that we would be that hope so that we could spread the light of Jesus Christ to those around us and be a blessing to those um, who need your care. Uh, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.